Thank you for listening to the Yippie Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Today we'll be talking about account-based marketing with John Deering of Demandbase. John, uh, thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Cassidy. Look forward to, to our conversation. Yeah, so account-based marketing, uh, Demandbase, you guys do a big uh, conference uh, every year. This is our, our sixth year, um, so it's, it's grown a lot. We started with about 200 marketers, and now we're up over over 1,000 who are interested in, in ABM and have certified over about 2,000 to 3,000 marketers uh, on ABM at the conference over the years. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time for us to see it continue to grow. Yeah, just spreading the good word. So fantastic. We're actually recording this, I believe, the day before the uh, the conference here. We're in the demand base uh, headquarters talking, again, with uh, John Deering about account-based marketing. Let's dig into you a little bit, John. How did you get where you're at? How did you get into demand base, into account-based marketing, into B2B marketing in general? Yeah, so it's a, a very interesting story, or at least I think it is. <laughs> um, so I actually started my career as a, a salesperson, and uh, everybody starts as sales. It seems like I swear half the people I talk to at least, like you know what I'm in marketing, but I started sales. <laughs> well, it is good, right? Because what that actually translates to is me being able to be a better marketer because I've worked in sales. I know what some of their their challenges are, and know how to kind of work with that group to deliver what they need from from marketing, but. Um, so I started in sales, uh, went into to marketing in about 2006, and ultimately that was around the time of kind of mass marketing demand gen and, and B2B. And then I, I worked in my former company of, of demand base, and I started doing some of those demand gen activities there and started running some models and quickly realized that the way we were trying to pump so much stuff into the top of the funnel wasn't going to work. I think my funnel model said to hit my revenue, I had to generate a quarter million leads a year, and that we were selling <laughs> to enterprises, right? right. So I immediately said, this is broken. You look at the numbers and said, there aren't a quarter million of these businesses. Exactly. Uh, something's got to give. Right? And, and at this time, this was probably about 2010, 2011, um, I had been working with Demandbase and kind of got introduced to, at the time they called it key account marketing and then later evolved into account-based marketing. But all of a sudden it clicked. It made sense. And I saw ways to, to kind of do that. So I jumped on board with it, um, did that for about two and a half years at that company, um, saw it working so well that I said, you know, I'm going to go to the, the, the top dogs, go, you know, go where this is, is working really well. And I uh, came over to Demandbase about four and a half years ago. So uh, as far as tech is concerned, it's been a pretty good run so far. Great timing for getting into account-based marketing as well. Yeah, you know, I think I saw the future of where it was going and realized how, how this was going to impact B2B marketers. So I wanted to get in, get in at the ground floor and make sure I could, uh, you know, both become an expert in it, but also kind of, um, you know, get ahead of that, that trend in, in B2B. And I think it's, it's, you know, led me to where I am in my career today. Fantastic. So for anybody who doesn't know what demand base does, can you explain a little bit what your company does? And then uh, I'll just double up on the questions here. What what your specific functions are uh, here at Demandbase? Sure. So um, Demandbase is uh, the leader in account-based marketing. Uh, we have a ABM platform which allows our customers to identify the right accounts, the best accounts to sell to, um, to activate those audiences into targeted display advertising, uh, website personalization, uh, insights for the sales team about what's going on with those accounts and the people at those accounts, uh, as well as connecting it to other types of platforms like CRM, marketing automation, and similar marketing technologies so that that unified experience can be delivered for those accounts uh, across the board. So that's that's what our platform does. Um, ABM, at its, at its uh, most simple definition, is really about found, finding lists of accounts that have a specific business purpose and 
targeting them and marketing to them specifically and focusing everything you do around going after those accounts to reach that specific business outcome. Maybe that's retention, maybe that's new logo acquisition, maybe that's cross-sell, upsell, uh, maybe that's just driving uh, awareness and trying to get them to uh, you know, kind of start to show up on your website. So it's just about finding these, these groups of accounts that are the best fit, the best chance of becoming long-term customers uh, and focusing your marketing efforts around them. And then so here at the uh, If You Market podcast, we like to say if you market the shit out of it, they will come. With account-based marketing, you say we're going to market the shit out of it, but to this guy or to this company actually right here. Exactly. So, for example, if you think about it in a display advertising format, um, you can limit your display ads specifically to that set of accounts and only serve ads to that set of accounts. That will reduce your overall ad spend while also improving the effectiveness of your advertising because you've now taken out that pool of unqualified recipients of your ads and it dilutes your, that dilutes your metrics. So um, it allows you then to measure exactly what's going on in terms of engagement from those accounts. I think the, the ABM naysayers, if there are still any out there, Really, the only angle they have is to say, this is silly, it's a fad, it's always been here, somebody just decided to write a book and popularize it, and now everybody's talking about account-based marketing. But from what I've seen, it's really companies like Demandbase and many other kind of tech stack companies. The whole MarTech thing has enabled it to, to really exist within marketing because we can see what's going on. You have the numbers now. You can actually do web visitor tracking. Um, you know, you can you can know specifically who comes to your website. You, there's so much more marketers know now that one, we can be held accountable, but also you can get just much more targeted than we could in the past. I suppose an account-based marketer in the 1980s might have uh, chose a specific company and uh, purchased a billboard, you know, the, the display ad version back then. You'd buy a billboard in front of the, and I brought this up in, in previous podcasts as well. It's, it's my favorite thought experiment for something that one day I'd love to do in front of a target company's office and just said, hey, John, call me. Yeah, literally. um, I had that same comment about a year and a half ago to my CMO. I said, you know, we could do account-based billboard advertising. He looked at me and he's like, uh, so think about it. Like, we just buy the space across from the office and drive it home. And there's a, a LinkedIn office that gave me the idea around the corner. And on the building across the street, you know, somebody's put one of those, it's not a billboard, but they painted the brick and all that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, if you have a big strategic client, like let's say it's Salesforce, right? Putting up an ad across the street from the Salesforce tower isn't necessarily a bad thing. Or, you know, taking over the BART station, the public transit station right by their offices, which all their employees go in and out of, isn't a bad way to... to So targeted advertising, that. But with account-based marketing, would the difference be instead of putting up an ad saying, here's my company, here's what we do, you're going to speak specifically to those people. You're going to say, hey, I'd like to get you tickets to the Giants game. Let's go on Sunday. Call me or something like that. You may not put a billboard up that says that, per (laughs) se, as much as you do put up the billboard that says, you know, here's what we can do for your business. And then you have uh, a – uh, um, parallel programs that are going to those individual stakeholders that you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, ABM isn't, as you pointed out earlier, is it like a new, brand new concept? What is new is the the technology that enables it. So back in the 90s and the 80s, people were doing ABM, right? Direct mail is basically ABM. And right? salespeople particularly. They've yeah. always been, they've been scratching their heads saying, what are you guys talking about? Marketing is so dumb. You guys are always behind. Right. And, and, <laughs> and this and, is how we do it. And now we just have technology to scale all that stuff, right? right. So back then, a lot of the, the use cases were like a field marketer would work with a sales rep and, and come up with an event for that company or something like that. And the problem with that is, I mean, it works, but if you have a thousand accounts, that doesn't scale. 
Right. So, so now I guess you need you a way to apply it. digital on top of that that still focuses on those accounts. But you know, you don't have to have one one um, you know one field marketer for one rep, and you know have a thousand on each side in order to to execute that. So it really helps you you know scale it and grow what you're doing without having to put more investment in say headcount or, or those kind of overhead mm. resources, which it's hard to see the return on. I suppose also you know you can um, account based marketing allows you to do all this at a smaller scale too, and by smaller scale, I, 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 those aren't even the right words to smaller businesses. Um, so you can you can properly account based and target businesses where in the past, I, I think we have a calculator we worked out for an account-based marketing event at one, one point on how much should you be spending on each account for account-based marketing? Cause you kind of need to figure that out and you say, yeah, we can do account-based marketing, but it's going to be to send, you know, our sales guy, George is going to fly out there. He's going to take him to a steak dinner. He's going to take him out to wherever else they want to go that night. And uh, we're going to work the account. That's how we do it. Um, now with all the tools, with all the digital stuff, you can actually say, hey, we can go after smaller businesses because we can put display ads in front of them and actually be more efficient than just hitting the whole internet and more targeted to specifically to them as well w with all the information we have now. Yeah, when you think about like how much money you should be spending per account or something like that, um, we tend to think there's kind of three different tiers of ABM. There's there's one to one, which is you know one campaign for a company, right? Microsoft is is a company you're trying to go after, right? You need specific messaging for for Microsoft, and quite frankly, you might be running specific events for Microsoft. So Although for I'd example, say with a company like that, you can't think of them as Microsoft. You have to think of them as. 500 different departments or products or something. Right, which means Microsoft in and of itself is a list of 500 different companies, quote unquote. Right. Um, and so like we've done stuff like that where we'll go on site and train their marketers on ABM. So not on like demand-based products and stuff, but the general concepts of the strategy, how to measure success, how to approach planning, marketing. Wait, you train them like on that. ABM but not on demand-based products? Exactly. Does your so boss I, know about I, that? I sent thousands of, of <laughs> ABM certified uh, marketers None of those uh, are certifications related to our product. It's really about the strategy and learning how to evolve and develop the strategy within their own organization. Okay, that's awesome. So you guys say, and I'll, uh, I'll keep mentioning the name since I love the philosophy, the angle you guys take at account-based marketing and at kind of training people here. At demand-based, you guys will go out and train people on account-based marketing, but it's not like you're saying, here's our software and we're training on how to use it. You're saying, here's what account-based marketing is. And then you are one of many different softwares or platforms that people might use within account-based marketing. Now, I suppose you're figuring, if they're looking at you and a couple competitors, they're probably going to go with you since they got, since they got trained. You got a little goodwill built in there. Yeah. But I'm sure a percentage of the people you guys certify in account-based marketing end up using a competitor's platform just because they're already embedded in it at some level, something like that. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of what we've been doing over the past you know four or five years is educating the market. So it was less about um, you know what is the right product or technology for me right now, as much as it is you know there's a lot of things you have to uh, accomplish within your organization to make an AVM strategy successful. Like buying a technology does not give you an AVM strategy. What? Um, you can't just <laughs> stack so, MarTech on top of each other until you can call it ABM? I wish. You know, and, and, and some marketers do that, you know, especially now with Forrester creating a, a full uh, category of it. Um, some marketers think, oh, I just need to get an ABM technology and I'll be doing ABM. But that's not the case.
space. And, you know, like I said, from the beginning of, of how it was done analog to the digital state today, you know, the technologies are there to help you scale and enable and move faster and more effectively. But at its core is you have to have that strategy and the principles in place. And so that's, you know, understanding who's going to be responsible for managing it in the organization and, and, and overseeing the strategies. Like we call it an ABM leadership team, you know, people from sales, from marketing, from finance, from ops, uh, from the customer side of the house, you know, all need to have representatives on that team to make sure they're guiding the strategy effectively. Um, sales and marketing alignment, we hear about that all the time, but that's a huge component of it. If the sales teams and the, and the marketers are not working together, um, the, the strategy is going to jump the tracks. So, you know, you might be running a webinar and you get 500 registrations. Well, how many of those are from the target accounts? And then how many or how do you help your sales team focus on following up on those first? Right. Get them focused on, on going after the responses from target accounts. And then if they're not getting enough from there, they can dip into the other other buckets um, and see if there's some other people. Maybe they can drum up some some opportunities. So maybe a, a, to get the salespeople on a, a little bit of a seed. You don't have them say we're doing ABM now. Shift all your stuff over. You say here's 10 accounts for you to pursue in this style. Marketing's going to be working with you um, and they should buy into the oh, wait, you're going to be really. I'm going to be getting way more help from marketing on a hands-on. It's almost like they have a sales assistant. They might have, if they named it something better, sales would have bought in that. <laughs> Marketing's <laughs> going to help you uh, or something uh, very wordy to get salespeople to say, oh, great, I've got a personal assistant from marketing now. Well, and when you think about sales, like the, the vernacular they use when they're trying to pitch sales solutions is spend more, more time selling and less time doing the admin work. Right. That's right. where a salesperson's high value tasks are. So if marketing is helping them to do that by bringing in, um, you know, the right types of prospects and the right types of opportunities, it makes them more effective. I always kind of say, like, as, as a salesperson, would they rather have 100 unwashed leads or 15 high quality leads from accounts they really care about? They're going to land on those 15 anyway out of that 100. But if they don't have to look at the other 85 to figure that out, that makes them more effective. That helps them see the value that marketing is providing to them as a salesperson. It also means we make it easy for them to focus on the deals that they're the easiest to win and they're going to have the most impact to our business. So like that, that understanding and that agreement across the whole organization that this is how we're going to operate is, is a fundamental thing that you have to have in an ABM strategy, which you don't really get from a technology. All right. So a nice side effect of ABM might be actually lower churn in your, in your sales team. I've seen salespeople, it, when you give them bad information, it, one, they tend to fail, they stop believing in what they're being given, and then they just look for stuff themselves and spin their wheels and usually flunk out. Absolutely. And, you know, as the leaders in ABM, I will say that, you know, we've been guilty of that ourselves. And that alignment is not a destination. It's a journey. Um, it's like a marriage, right? You always got to keep working at it. it. You don't kind of hit this honeymoon stage and then you kind of, okay, everything's great. Let's just not pay attention to the relationship and go do other stuff, focus on new things. It requires that constant attention, especially when you think about that, that rep turnover, right? If you're doing that well, your reps should be fed, they should have enough accounts that they should be hitting their quotas. Um, and if they're not, they're, they're gonna leave. So even if they do leave and you bring in new reps, you need to make sure that you're onboarding them with, this is how we operate, this is how it works, this is what you need to focus on. Um, you know, here's how you, you see your target accounts. Here's how you see responses from your target accounts. You need to make sure you continue to, to you know, kind of flex that muscle, if you will. Otherwise, it, it can't fall off the track, even for someone who's been doing it for a while. So do you typically see people that are starting ABM in their company 
take their existing salespeople and transition them into doing ABM uh, or handling ABM accounts with part of their time? Or do you see them taking new salespeople and just having them fully working with marketing on an account-based marketing strategy, kind of working ABM accounts? I've seen it run the gamut. Um, you know, I've seen companies that want to go all in and they just shift everything right away. And I've seen others that, you know, we advise a crawl, walk, run strategy. I'd say, yeah, be careful. Unless you've yeah, done it somewhere I, else and you absolutely know it works. You go all in and you, and then you've got something wrong somewhere or somebody didn't buy in properly and you're out of business. So like in one of our certifications, I wrote uh, a piece on how to scale ABM. And, you know, in the Bay Area, we talk about scale and uh, I think it always helps to define that and whether that's kind of doing a, a proof of concept and scaling it, going to a different business unit, a different vertical, whatever. The, the main thing is that you have some type of data to back and justify the scale, right? So going all in and boiling the ocean and then, you know, your alignment was off so it didn't perform well, all of a sudden makes the whole strategy look bad. Right. Um, Let's say when you say some type of, uh, some type of proof, not, hey, look, look what people are saying online or something like that. Like you need to prove it in your organization. At it, but before you do it, I've seen people, and I've done it myself, where I say, oh, yeah, here's the metrics. I've, I've done this model. I've made a model that proves it. So now we're going to jump into this. And then you find out, guess what? Your model isn't actually proof. You, you have to then test it at a small level in order to really prove exactly. it. Exactly. And make sure that the data points you're showcasing are the ones that really mean something to the business, right? So, oh, we're, you know, we're getting a bunch of accounts from this list engaged on our website is good, but are those converting into sales opportunities? Are they, you know, are they closing into new customers? Are they spending more with us? And are those deals moving faster? And, you know, you take that proof of concept, whether it's a new rep or maybe you have, you know, five season reps and you do it with one and then you compare their performance or that test group against the control group, and you should see you know, improvements on, uh, for all of those. And then you have a, a use case or a business case for why you should be doing this, this more broader, right? If you know, rep number one of five has um, you know, bigger average sales prices, deals are closing faster and closing at a better rate, you know, if you extrapolate that across the other four reps, all of a sudden you have pretty dramatic business growth uh, in, in you know, uh, net new logo acquisition and, and bookings and revenues and all those types of things coming I'd in. I'd say the number one way to get salespeople to buy into something is uh, give them good leads and they immediately believe and also stroke their ego. So maybe you want to go to sales and say, hey, you guys have this great idea you've been doing for a while. Um, we, you guys are so smart. We decided to start doing what you're helping you guys do that better in marketing. Now, here's some really good leads. Go close them. Yeah. And, and, and you'll have some allies pretty quick. We, we do a fun thing every year where uh, over the summer months when things slow down a little is we'll have our SDRs do presentations around different types of campaigns they, they want to run. Um, and so they kind of they square off into small teams and compete against each other for the idea. And then there's a voting committee and the winning idea actually gets you know put into action. So it's a way to kind of, you know, have their, their feedback delivered and, and what they're interested in, um, you know, activated in, into marketing. Likewise, even when we develop our target account list, we allow them to have some input on that as well. So we use all this data and all this kind of stuff, our ideal customer profile, and we're looking at, you know, interests of those accounts and intent and looking for spikes and all this different type of stuff. But then we actually say, okay, hey, sales rep, here's your 150 accounts for the year. Go through those, and you can DQ up to 10% of those and add 10% accounts back that you think we should be prioritizing. Right, so if you involve them earlier on and get their input, basically, they're much more likely to buy in, make it a version of making it their idea, kind yeah. of, uh, again, saying... They can't come back and say, that was a right. bad list, so that's right. why I'm not hitting these, my quota. These, these target accounts aren't... And also, 
they'll probably have, you know, you came from sales, I came from sales. We usually, you've been in the trenches, you've got some good feedback of saying, oh, you think this is a good account, but these numbers are skewed because we used to sell a lot of this product, so you're seeing a lot of these industries, and now we don't. And they'll give you some, they'll exactly. prevent you from really screwing up by giving you some value feedback, probably, if you, and if you listen to them, make sure it's not just uh, self-serving information, but actually like, oh, yeah, I, I can see that. And, and that's, you know, that's the bi-direction of the relationship, which allows them to have that input and allows them to say, you know, they're not just doing this in a silo and, and telling me what to do. I actually am a contributor. I'm a player on this team, um, and my voice is heard so that, you know, I'm setting myself up in alignment with marketing for my best possible performance for the year. Yep. So you mentioned something a minute ago uh, about number of accounts, giving 120 accounts to an account manager, something like that. Somebody wants to start doing ABM. Uh, some of the big questions asked, how many accounts should they start with as a company? How many accounts per rep? How do they figure that out? And then, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to shotgun you with questions here. How much should they be spending on each account? And maybe the bigger question to start with is, is there a tipping point with account-based marketing where, you know, you can't just dabble in it. You have to you have to invest to a certain level of time and energy, even if you're just going after one account. If you put $5 per account into 10 accounts, you'll probably see zero results. Don't bother, kind of. Right. Where do you have to get to have enough impact to actually see results? Um, is, there in there, is there any way of measuring or knowing that? Yeah, there, there absolutely is. And you know, this goes back to the ABM leadership team and having the finance team on there, because where you want to start is you know, what are our, our commitments, right, to our board, to the street, what, whoever you're responsible for, for, for revenue, you know, that backs up into the number of deals by an average sales price, into the quota per rep, into how many opportunities they need based upon their, their close rate and so forth up, up the funnel. So, you know, once you have a, a look at that model, then you can start to figure out, well, how many accounts do we need? Um, usually what we, what we advise our clients to do is, you know, talk to your heads of sales and say, do they have a number in their head they think is right? Um, you also look at, you know, based upon those close rates, the number of opportunities and probably an opportunity generation rate, right? So against a set of accounts, you know, what percentage of those turn into opportunity? You can say, okay, well, you know, we, we, have, we need to hit a million dollars in bookings. Um, you know, our average sales price is $500,000, so we need to close two deals. Um, our target account list, and we have uh, three reps, and our target account list, um, you know, should should probably be, you know, a couple hundred accounts or 500 accounts. So there's right. some numbers I skipped in the middle. But so you, you can start. actually figure out the budget per account, too. Here's how much we have so, to spend so then, on an account, and then you can figure out what tactics to use, maybe, yeah, based on your company, so your industry, all that kind of stuff. Budget per account can be a tricky thing when you think about it. Um, what you really want to start to think about is, is accounts in different different layers or different tiers, and then how you're going to apply resources to those tiers. So for example, a one-to-one, -one, right, that Microsoft example, um, those types of accounts you're going to end up spending a lot more because you need to create um, an experience that's relevant for that account, and, it's, and you know whether you have those 500 business units. In I guess I'm not. thinking some companies won't have the budget to buy a billboard for each of their you know, 20 target accounts, right. let's say they start out with. So they need to look at their budget, their product value, all that stuff, come up with a rough spend per account so they can say, okay, here's the type of marketing we can do. You know, maybe we're just, we're going to focus on this type because uh, 
I mean, the listeners of the show kind of run the gamut. You're going to have enterprise companies who can go out and do those billboard activities. And so like a one-to-one, you might a do that. Dollars. So you're yeah. going to spend more against you know, Microsoft and putting that bill, billboard up than you are mm-hmm. a mid-market company where um, you, know, you might have a tier of 50 accounts, a tier of 500 accounts, and a tier of 1,500 accounts, right? So now you're talking about just over 2,000 um, total accounts. And so that, that 2,000 list, you know, it might be something around like um, – 30, 40, 50, 100 dollars if you average it out across all your, your marketing spend. That mid-tier, you know, you might be somewhere in the neighborhood of like $5,000 account. And then that top tier, maybe it's $20,000 accounts. Right. So right. I guess, would it be accurate to say with account-based marketing, it's not about how much, it's a tactic really. It's not about how much money you could spend no money. It's just saying, instead of making 100 cold calls today or something we're going to uh, target these 10 companies and research them and know and send custom emails to them. I mean, that's not, maybe that's not really account-based marketing, but it's kind of the same philosophy of saying, focus on these companies and target them very specifically versus a general marketing. That's exactly, exactly right. And that's why like putting a budget number on it can be difficult. It's going to be different for every company and how they pick up their tiers and their target account list. But they might have a budget in which case they can say, here's how much we're going to start with this many companies and here's how much we can spend. So here's, we can put this much into AdWords and this much into this and this much into that. Um, okay, well, this I think this is a good spot. There's a handful of questions there we haven't hit, but I want to go to the break real quick and then uh, come back after the break. A lot more talk here about account-based marketing with John Deering of The Man Base. Need to grow your email list, win new social media followers, or just need some help getting found on Google? Edison on Main's digital toolkits provide you with the tools and the training to execute a marketing campaign that will reach your customers and grow your business. Visit edisononmain.com today to learn more about the toolkits and use code IFUMARKET to download our six ways to get more people to your blog guide and template to reusing content for free. edisononmain.com. Creating a marketing plan is tough. Our toolkits make it easy. Welcome back from the break. This is Sky Castle. You're listening to the If You Market podcast. Today we have John Deering with us from Demandbase talking about account-based marketing. So before the half, before the half, before the break, <laughs> I threw a, uh, a handful of questions at you. I kind of want to double back to those in a, in a general fashion, but we did some, uh, some off-mic uh, off talk during the break and realized uh, there's a more efficient way to get to some of these things. But uh, first question, tipping point. Is there a tipping point on spend for account-based marketing where you can start seeing success? And then is there a top to it also where, you know, maybe you're wasting money if you spend too much per account? Yeah, I think there, um, you know, there are ways to think about, you know, is this, is there enough or is there, there too little? Um, you know, one way is to, to look at a number or a metric like the cost to generate an opportunity. So, you know, back to that Microsoft example, if you have 500 business units and you need to develop 30 opportunities and it typically costs you, you know, $10,000 to, to generate an opportunity in an enterprise account, you can extrapolate that and say, okay, well, you're going to need about 300 grand to get those 30 opportunities uh, in, in Microsoft. But, you know, if you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe like mid-market companies where your cost per opportunity is, you know, a couple thousand dollars, uh, you have a lot more scale. Maybe your sales prices aren't, aren't uh, quite as large, but you could look at that and say, oh, well, you know, I need to generate 500 there, but it's at a cost per opportunity of, you know, a thousand. 
um, you know, now you're talking about five hundred thousand, uh, a five hundred thousand dollar budget for those accounts. But uh, you know, so now you, you can kind of put those two together if you have a tier and say, uh, you know, now we're looking at, you know, we need about eight hundred thousand dollars in budget this year to generate that uh, five hundred thirty opportunities, which will translate into whatever you know bookings right. uh, you, you need. And then based on the for the listeners, based on the size of your company, you can add or remove zeros from uh, from that. <laughs> That's a really funny thing. Uh, you know, back to the summit that, that kicks off tomorrow. Friday is, is our certification day, and it's our advanced certification. And it's really working through a business model for developing an ABM strategy within, within a company, different business objectives, growth objectives, and things like that. And we always kind of joke, well, it's, it's very much in the middle, and there's an enterprise audience, and there's a mid-market audience. And, you know, they'll say, oh, those numbers are too high for me or too low. We say, well, just move the decimal point one, you know, one right. space to the left or the right, and then it'll make sense to you. So. And, and I suppose what you mentioned the different companies you're targeting too. You're not necessarily going to spend the same amount on every company that you're targeting. You may have a customer lifetime value, but different accounts will also may have obviously different uh, values to them. I would think it's kind of like going to a trade show and frequently people have swag for the trade show and you may have a cup of pens over here, but then you got some t-shirts that you give not to everybody, but certain accounts come by and you're going to give them different swag kind of so you have you have different um, different marketing pieces that you're going to use based on the kind of the value of, of different clients. And very few people, every client has the same value for them. Yeah, exactly. And it's you know uh, you know do I give the pins are for all the you know the tchotchke hounds that come by at the end of the conference and you're just like if I don't give it away I have to mail it back which costs me money um, and then yeah you save those exclusive ones and and quite you know how we look at trade shows is that we'll go and evaluate a trade show and say, give us a list of all the companies attending and we'll compare that against our target account list. And if there are enough from uh, our target account list in attendance, we'll consider sponsoring it. We then go out and try to target the people who are gonna be at those shows to you know, say, hey, come by the booth and get, a, get the t-shirt or something like that. Um, so I think what, what's also interesting when we start to think about budget is that um, you know you may not have budget to go after all of those accounts, right? Let's let's say you got a thousand on your um, your target account list, but you really only have budget at any one time to go after about two hundred of those. Or if if your boss gave you a thousand dollars in budget to test account-based marketing. Um, don't put $1 on each account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. If that's your scenario, and it, let's say it costs you $500 to generate an opportunity, because quite frankly, $1,000 is... Let's add, yeah, let's add some zeros <laughs> let's on, put that. Two zeros I, on that. I, right? I always go extreme uh, yeah. on, on examples. Um, but what you could do is use data signals to try to figure out who the right ones are now, right? So of those 1,000 accounts, um, you probably can find about 100 or 150 that are out exploring and, and researching your space right now. And not just on your website, but off website, other properties, before they even come to you to start beginning anonymous research on your website, you can use intent data to see when they're researching it out on, online. And so what you might do is say, okay, well, I have enough budget for 200 accounts. I'm gonna shift around the accounts I'm targeting based upon those which are spiking in that intent. So kind of early on, they haven't quite hit your website yet, but you know they're going to, and now is the time to start generating that that influence and that awareness from marketing and powering sales with you know insights about what's going on at those accounts like you know this quarter here's the 200 we're going after here's everything you need to know to go after them and here are the programs we're going to run run to those accounts so you can even prioritize or sub prioritize accounts on your list based upon their signals and when is the right time to go after them so I'm, I'm probably gonna say something stupid you being an account-based marketing expert I I am NOT but 
going back to the, you know, you have a hundred accounts or a thousand accounts to, to pursue that you've identified as good target accounts, which is the first step. Um, I, I guess I'll say, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but we have a uh, kind of checklist for account-based marketing that, that we've created over at Mountaintop Data. And also for some of the other questions we hit on, we have a um, account-based marketing equation to help people figure out if they know some of the variables in their account-based marketing, but want to know, well, how many accounts should I be pursuing? Or how much money do I need to ask for in the budget? Or um, how much can I spend per account? And that kind of thing. It'll, it'll help figure out some of that stuff. So we'll put that in, into the show notes for the show. Um, but I suppose uh, if somebody's looking to, on a small scale, get account-based mar- marketing started, once you get larger, it seems like it becomes a lot easier because you can now afford some of these tools that spread across. But just to, you know, a small company could really look at saying, let me identify 10 accounts to go pursue, and then let me set up some account-based, so this is where I might be putting my foot in my mouth, and you'll say, well, that's not really account-based marketing. <laughs> you know, But they can say, okay, here's these accounts, and we're gonna, I've, now I'm going to identify the people and know who the companies are and uh, send them an email, and then we're going to have a, a call going out, and we're going to send them this mailer at this point, and you know, we're going to track if they come to our website. And really, um, you know, using the tools they have, I guess what I'm getting at is for smaller companies or companies where maybe their boss doesn't have a buy-in, so they need to they want to run a pilot though, um, uh, you know, using their, their petty cash or on the lowest possible budget. What are some things account-based marketers can, or somebody who wants to do some account-based marketing to try it out can do with, you know, very little, uh, very little budget. Can you give an example of kind of a bare bones campaign? Sure. Uh, so, you know, I think it's helpful to note, you know, we talked about direct mail back in the nineties and eighties and that being an, uh, an account-based marketing uh, tactic, um, you know, when we started out doing ABM at, de- at demand base, uh, we actually were doing a lot of things analog. So you don't need all this technology necessarily to do it, but as you scale and grow, it makes it much easier and more effective. But what you might do is is take okay, let's figure out a set of target accounts, um, and let me look and track and monitor those and how they're performing, both in terms of marketing and engagement, but also those deeper funnel metrics. So are we generating opportunities with those? Are they, you know, deals closing faster, spending more money, easier to close, close at better rates, things like that. And really just look at the performance of your target account list against everything else that is uh, coming in to, to bookings and, and coming into your funnel. And comparing just the funnel metrics alone helps makes makes uh, helps to make the case for why you should be focusing on, on a target account list. So, you know, maybe you apply a different marketing treatment to those, or maybe you just say that, um, you know, because we know these have a greater propensity to turn into customers, that we should be focusing on those, and let's measure how those accounts perform versus the others. Again, you should see some of that um, improvement in, in funnel metrics, which helps to make the case of going back to say, you know, we need to expand the strategy in this program. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, let me shift gears a little bit here, but who is it, would account-based marketing not be for? Like who should stay away from this really? Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of those, uh, one of those tipping point concepts because, you know, ABM works really well for complex B2B sales that have big ticket values, you know, take three, six, nine, 12, 18, 24 months to, to get deals done. Um, and where there isn't just an infinite universe of, uh, you know, companies or prospects or leads to put into a kind of a waterfall funnel process. So, you know, for companies that have a low ticket volume sale, it's transactional online, 
uh, you know, short sales cycles, things like that, uh, more universal ap application across different types of companies, uh, you know, a traditional demand generation model might actually still work really well for that. Uh, I actually see a lot of our, our customers have a, a diversified business model, obviously, as enterprises, but, you know, some of their stuff, they're doing ABM, other stuff, uh, other products are doing more traditional demand gen. Uh, oftentimes, they even have a scenario where they're promoting, uh, say, developers or something like that. They have a, a more B2B2C community of people where they use more traditional demand gen and even B2C uh, style marketing uh, strategy and tactics. And then on the back end, they're using ABM to go after the accounts where they're generating their revenue from. So they're creating all this this buzz within the developer community, for example, and then they're tracking, uh, you know, the accounts they want to go after and where there, you know, there's overlap between the buzz and those accounts and utilizing that to power, you know, their revenue driving uh, functions within their business. So there's a lot of different ways that ABM can go in uh, into a business, and I think. A lot of marketers hear ABM and think they just, everything they have to do has to be account-based marketing. It's it's the right tool for the right job, right? So if your company doesn't you know doesn't really fit that mold, I wouldn't say go after ABM. But if it does, it's definitely something you should be looking at. I suppose uh, you don't have to be doing ABM or not. You can also do traditional marketing. It isn't like you have to throw out everything you've been doing and do ABM. Yeah, and even specific channels like search engine optimization and search engine marketing. They're not really set up to target accounts specifically, so you know you're still going to have those types of channels that you're using. The key is really thinking about how you can optimize those channels to get as close to targeting those accounts as, as possible. Um, so you know you're not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Rather, you're going to use ABM and the lens of it to target your programs to those accounts where possible. All right, so be part of your marketing toolkit, basically, um, an additional tool in the toolkit, maybe. So can you give, I'm going to, I'm going to do uh, the gotcha moment here, putting you on the spot. Um, can you give some examples of, uh, you know, everybody's favorite, of course, are the failures, but um, it, some successes, failures, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a whole start to finish, but any little part of an ABM campaign, even where something either went fantastically right or wrong. Yeah, so, uh, you know, one recent one is we've been kind of reworking our target account list and, Typically, you want a target account list to be based on what's called an ideal customer profile. So it's kind of a look-alike model, your best customers, you know, what attributes do they share in common, and that's the foundational profile for, for the accounts you should be going after. Uh, with all this new intent data, right, so discovering early interest and early research before they, they come to your website, uh, a lot of companies can surface through that intent data. So we started experimenting, should our, our target account list be based just off, off intent? Um, and so we did that for a while, and what we found is that a uh, on a time the time period a quarter to quarter the the account list shifted so much that um, doing on intent alone wasn't really going to help us be effective in targeting the right set of accounts and, and doing it for a long enough period of time that would guarantee we drove awareness and that we could get these customers engaged with and our, our if sales it's based team. on website traffic, your initial findings would probably just be, "Wow, we should be selling to a lot more bots." Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, that was a learning curve where we said, okay, we need to go back. We need to make sure we're using intent to prioritize accounts that fit our ideal customer profile. 
Um, another one, we do tons of direct mail here at Demandbase, and we've tried a lot of different approaches, a lot of different offerings. Um, one of our go-tos is we have a holiday wine campaign, and we have a, a, a company or a, a vineyard up in Napa who kind of makes our own labels on their bottles and that kind of stuff, so it's, it's branded. Um, we've tried doing other things like sending out coffees for closers to get you know uh, marketers and salespeople at these companies talking. We've sent out um, make-your-own-cookie kits where, same thing, get them to come together and kind of work together and talk AB. Um, you know, a lot of different direct mail pieces. And it's interesting, the alcohol always seems to win. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what it is, but, you know, salespeople don't like coffee. They'd rather get some booze. And, and it, it just seems that's the one, the, the one that works. So that's an example of where, not necessarily a failure, but where we've tested different stuff and optimized and learned how to, how to do that. And now those types of direct mail campaigns we do, you know, we just have a, an inventory of those. So every quarter we can just kind of add a new account list to it, out goes those direct mail pieces, and we just kind of take that play off the shelf and, and put it into action. Right, and you mentioned account list. The area I've seen account-based marketing go wrong the most and mountaintop data were a data company so it's probably the area that you know we we see the most i'm sure i'm sure there's plenty of areas in any campaign with any discipline that uh, that can go wrong but the account list people start with we deal with people's data all the time and and cleaning data appending data stuff like that and we'll get accounts or people will be having problems and we look at it and you say oh you've got the wrong industry on half of these so you may know who your ideal account is um but you go out and get data that's mislabeled. And if you don't actually look at it, if you're pursuing 100 or 1,000 accounts, have a human actually look at it to make sure the amount of money you're putting into those, that it's, it's actually in the right industry, that you're not pouring this money into um, you know, a, uh, a daycare or something like that, something silly. Even just looking at the company names frequently, you can say, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is obviously off. And, you can look at contacts and see somebody just punched a keyboard on a web form and somehow that got into your that got into your target accounts. So I'd say make sure that that foundational data that, you know, knowing who to target is one thing, but making sure that those are actually the ones being targeted. And then if you develop your target from your own accounts, but you have the wrong information on those because the salespeople are usually putting that in or not. And they don't really care what it may. They might just pick the first one in the drop down because they don't want to have to scroll down or something. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is the sexiest part of marketing, is talking oh, yeah. about data. <laughs> um, now, I, I, I've spent lots of time with data and cleaning all that stuff up, and, you know, there's the old saying of, you know, garbage in, garbage out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is where you start to think about, like, who are my data sources and how, how do I have a standard set of data? Um, so, you know, especially in CRM, when you're thinking about enterprises, corporate hierarchies, business units, things like that, uh, that can get really complicated. And if people aren't managing the CRM system over time, you know, you end up with duplicates of the same accounts and things like that. And, you know, one has the right industry, one doesn't have one, another one has the wrong industry. And if you try to, you know, sort by industry, all of a sudden it gets, it gets really cloudy. Every domain a company has, you have as a different account. There's a lot of messy, and I'd say even as a data company, you know, obviously come to us and get data, great. Don't then just implement it. Look at it. You know, have yeah. your own person. When you're pursuing a thousand accounts and you may be spending, you know, thousands of dollars per account on those, don't just assume they're the right accounts from the get go and spend all that money going running in the wrong direction, basically. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, when you think about 
using that data, not only do you have, you know, where you're starting from and acquiring that data and starting to use it, but what is the plan long-term for keeping it as, as fresh as possible? Um, and then what is your, you know, your single source of truth in that? And then how does that propagate out to everything else that, that you're using? So once you have a, a set of account data that you believe is, is quality and, and you trust and you're going to work with, uh, once you implement that, how is that data then communicated to the other systems that you, you're using from CRM to an ABM platform to a marketing automation system to, uh, you know, an advertising platform or a social media platform? Uh, you know, making sure that you have the ability to utilize that single set of data and then a plan to keep it as fresh and actionable as possible over time, I think is, is really key. I've, I've spent the last couple of years kind of putting into that both at, at the account level, but also at the contact level yeah. so that, um, you know, our sales team, as they're going after an account, has some people to call on. Even if they're not in marketing automation, they have some, some names and some phone numbers they can dial so that if they're seeing some type of anonymous activity happening on the site, but you know they're not registering for a webinar. They can still call on those people and, and try to you know get their foot in the door. And I guess that's where working with the salespeople again really helps because if they don't know how or they don't even know you're doing this stuff and they're just getting handed the uh, the accounts and the leads that that come from it, if they don't know how important it is to give feedback when there's a wrong industry attached to an account or a company size or or any of that type of information, um, or they know but they don't care, they're not bought in. That's really your, you know, having a marketing person look at every one of your accounts is nice, but having all the salespeople who are actually working them care to give the feedback, to correct things, to, to push back on stuff when it's, when it's necessary is probably, you know, your best cleaning mechanism is your, your salespeople caring to actually have the right information, knowing how much it matters. Yeah, I always say it's a two-way street, right? Sales and marketing alignment isn't about just marketing appeasing and acquiescing to, to sales to make sure we're measuring by the same metrics and that we're supporting them and giving them the, the best quality. Um, it also means the feedback loop, right? I talked about the program earlier, but you know, that type of thing, if they're seeing bad data or something that doesn't make sense that they can surface that. And then again, in, in the list scrubbing process, so allowing them to kind of add or remove some accounts, you know, that quality of data is a factor of that. They can go in and say, hey, that account is on the list, but the industry is totally wrong. So I either need to get it updated or I need to take it off the list because, you know, I'm going to tell marketing to go after it and they're going to put Microsoft in the healthcare bucket, right? And all right. of a sudden the messaging is all going to be off, the programs aren't going to resonate, and the performance isn't going to be there. But they, I guess sales needs to know how important that feedback versus once your performance review's up, complaining and saying, here's why I failed, they, they need to know what to give feedback on and how important it is. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of that still falls on marketing shoulders because, you know, salespeople's job is not to manage data. Um, you know, maybe sales ops is. Uh, or marketing ops for that matter, but at least I guess I'd say they're the last feedback. line of defense, kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like when I was a salesperson, I took all that stuff on um, myself, but I know it's not a, a typical thing for for salespeople. So at least a, a flag of you know they can flag it in, in the account, and then you know the the ops people on a weekly basis are looking at reports of accounts that have that flag. They go and investigate, remove the flag once they clean it up, and you know there are ways to operationalize it. But uh, I think the key is that you you look at it from that perspective, and that it is an ongoing exercise between both both teams to make sure the data stays uh, as, as quality as possible. I guess this is another one of those things that really depends on the size of the company, the size of deals you're closing, the spend on each account, how much it matters. If you're spending $5 per account and, and account-based marketing really works for you when you scale it up massively because you have a huge target audience, it's going to be very different than maybe, let's say, 50 or 500. 
um, it's going to be very different how much in the weeds you need to get for each account versus if you have a much smaller target audience and you're spending $10,000, $100,000 per account, something like that. If you're spending that kind of money, you got, you've you really got to, you know, maybe have two marketers pour over it. Uh, yeah, and especially like, you know, the more investment you put against that, that account, the better your data needs to be for that account. Because, I mean, think about a digital experience where, uh, like a retargeting from, uh, you know, a retailer. You already paid for that product. You've already bought it, and they're retargeting you because you hit that page. So, um, you know, that's an example of retail where kind of personalization retargeting goes awry. If you don't have the right types of data to to augment that and be able to deliver that right message, it's going to go awry, and and you know, either um, you're going to lose all your credibility with them, or they're going to think like, oh, that's not the right solution for us because it, it's you know. We're in, right. in high tech, and they're talking about healthcare. So, or in account-based marketing, if if you're taking that kind of information and using it to put these people into a, you know, costly cycle of marketing, um, and the information, whether it's the data having to do with the industry assigned to an account, or once something's moving around inside the system, their their activity, and then you're triggering spends based on that activity, but but you don't have your ducks in a row. I imagine in any ABM campaign that's going to happen sometimes. I mean, there's always some ways you always get some stuff a little bit wrong. You're not trying to be perfect. You just need to minimize high level waste. And I think you see that a lot in, in mid market companies, um, companies just starting out, they have a, a cleaner database. They kind of start from scratch. Mid market companies are the ones who've been around for 10, 15, 20 years, and they've grown their data in enough ways long enough that it gets dirty. And then you start to see, I think in enterprises, it gets a lot, it gets cleaned up a lot more because they have the resources to invest. They understand the impact of, of bad data on their business. So they're willing to make sure that their data is clean and, and, and actionable. And in mid market, it's kind of that cobbler's kid who has no shoes. Like they know they need to do it but they can't commit resources or time or budget for, for whatever reason. So, um, you know, like I said, I've been working on this stuff a lot around here. It's been a similar scenario where it's like, okay, we really need to figure this stuff out. So let's, let's put some, some practices in place that are a little bit more manual right now. We haven't quite got to the full scale level where there are platforms that will manage all of your data, you know, a DMP kind of thing. Um, but certainly I could see that on, on the roadmap in three, five, six years or something like that. Yeah, I guess, uh, like you said earlier, it's, it's, it's the data side's not exactly uh, sexy. Um, so those mid-market companies, they're, they're focusing on the, the things that are a little more interesting maybe, and, and they don't have quite the budget to uh, assign somebody to, uh, to handle that kind of grunge work. Um, we're getting really close to the end here. Uh, we need to wrap it up. Uh, is there anything in particular, any advice you can give to people uh, that are either around ABM at all, I guess I'd say? Yeah, I would say the probably the biggest thing is is don't be afraid to fail, and you know follow the data and, and follow you know the business uh, challenges. I think probably one thing I've learned the most uh, here at Demandbase is how to socialize what we're doing across the org. And because ABM is such a team sport, if you're not in lockstep and the other departments are not bought in and they're not supporting you in doing that, um, that's a big hurdle to to overcome. So. The more you can socialize what you're doing and evangelize the performance of, of what you're doing, the easier it's going to be for that to, to be adopted uh, across the org. And you know, the only way you're really going to get to those huge wins is by trialing and failing. I'm responsible for actually showcasing how we use our own products and how they're impacting our business. Um, and usually on a quarterly basis, I'll release kind of two or three different um, you know, wins, if you will, uh, on different products and different approaches. But behind that, there's probably three or four which didn't 
didn't pan out, right? Um, you know, either the performance wasn't great enough or it just didn't quite work. So, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Always optimize and, and follow the data and follow the data that's going to help grow the business, not necessarily what a system is reporting. So, like, a great click-through rate is, is, is nice, but what does that mean to growing the business, right? Are you going to go to your sales team and say, hey, we got a 5% click-through rate on that ad? They're like, I don't care. Yeah, right? it, that, you're that targeting helps. the wrong people, so it yeah, all went to nothing. You can use that to adjust your messaging, what's getting people to engage, but ultimately, you know, how are you getting them in front of, of those accounts? And, and so that's one of the things that, you know, as you go from that more traditional demand gen metric to, a, to an ABM metric, you're going to try and fail a couple times. So don't be afraid to keep going at it and keep trying to, to figure it out until you, until you get a good, uh, a good win and a, and a good process down and then really start to double down on that to drive it forward. I guess we mentioned it briefly earlier, but... One thing to, if you're just getting into account-based marketing, to remember is your target audience for account-based marketing is not your target audience for the rest of your marketing. It's it's the higher value target accounts because you're going to be spending more per on these. Why would you, you know, take low value accounts and pursue them in this fashion? Now, maybe you don't need to be going after IBM because it's actually too high of a barrier and you're going to spend a lot of money and still not reach the level you need to be at to get them to return a call even. But you have to, selecting the right accounts doesn't just mean selecting good target accounts for your company in general, but accounts that are of the right size, that the Goldilocks zone of accounts, not too big, not too small. Again, depending on the size of your company, maybe you know it's just start at the top and work your way down until you have the right number of accounts for your program. But um, it's it's not just here's my target audience. Let me grab 20 accounts or 10,000 accounts or whatever it is you're gonna you're gonna do account-based marketing to. It's it's really being more selective. Think about the size and, and what's their return going to be and the type of account-based marketing you're going to put in place. Um, do you have the right accounts that are going to deliver the, the value for that or are there better accounts to be pursuing? I always tell our salespeople, um, you know, there should be accounts you're never getting to every day. Uh, if you're getting to every single account every day, you don't have enough accounts. If you're only getting to half of them, you have too many accounts. But if you're randomly selecting which ones you get to and only getting to half, that's a waste. Start at the top, what's the most important account, and work your way down. So with account-based marketing, think of it like you're a salesperson. Yeah. What's the most valuable accounts to be pursuing and the most likely to actually something to come from them and, and probably use those to, to create your, your target list. Yeah, that's I think that the tagline in there is great of, you know, think like a salesperson. Yeah. It comes from sales. So yeah, when in doubt, think like a salesperson yeah. for account-based marketing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's been fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, DemandBase, where we can find you, where we can find DemandBase, and uh, maybe mention, well, it's tomorrow's event, so maybe not mention that. It's going to be over by the time this airs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in relation to tomorrow's event, um, you know, while this will probably be published after that takes place, we do do a virtual version of that. So it's called Virtual ABM Innovation Summit. Uh, it'll cover a lot of the the same uh, sessions via video and things like that. Um, I believe it's in May this year. Um, so if you visit demandbase.com, you'll be able to, to find out information about that. So it's a virtual screen. version, but it's not um, audio or video taken from this summit. It, it, no, it is. So the same sessions uh, will be will be repurposed. Um, you won't have quite quite all of them, or you know the ability to network and, and do certifications. Oh, you said like May. That. I guess I figured it was. Uh, because there's a time gap there, but you do have to prep it and put it together. Yeah, to I mean, we got to download the videos. <laughs> I was actually helping our, the 
person who managed it at work on the landing page this morning. She was doing some code editing and it was doing some wonky stuff. So, um, so you know, that, that's a great way I think to to be able to see some of that uh, content once once this podcast is live. Um, you know, if you want to know more information about Demandbase, you can visit demandbase.com. Um, check out our our, our full funnel uh, ABM platform. Uh, if you know, if you're looking for a solution, if you're thinking about uh, learning more about ABM, our resources center. Uh, has tons of great on-demand webinars, eBooks, um, you know, things like that that you can just really dive into. A lot of them are ungated, so you can just really, you know, start to consume them and 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 you know, take home or take the the content back to your office. So I'd say, you know, if you're trying to learn more and kind of go down some some rabbit holes and different elements of ABM, that's a a great place to start. Fantastic. And then you, where can uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so um, I am, you know, at, at Demandbase. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I probably don't do as much social media as I should, but uh, on Twitter, I'm at underscore or so at d underscore rang. Um, so you can you can follow me there, and, and I uh, mostly just push out kind of information about ABM and, and updates, um, both for Demandbase, but also in the industries, mostly strategy, thought leadership type things. Fantastic. All right, and then we'll have this all in the, in the show notes on uh, ifyoumarket.com website as well. Thank, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode with uh, John Deering of Demandbase on account-based marketing, ABM. Um, again, check out the show notes for, for more information. We'll have that, um, that equation for account-based marketing up there for you as well as a account-based marketing checklist and all the information on John and on, on Demandbase. Uh, so thanks for listening. Please do share us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. Share with your friends. And, uh, you know, anybody in the marketing community that you think might benefit from from this type of information, maybe uh, post on LinkedIn about it if you enjoyed this episode. And on behalf of the If You Market team and John Deering of Demandbase, thank you for listening. And remember, if you market the shit out of it, they will come. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.